Hello and welcome to the Ocean Rowing Club podcast where each week we will talk to a past ocean rower to get their unique view on the ocean rowing experience. My guest this week is Vicky Anstey. Hello Vicky, please introduce yourself. My name's Vicky Anstey. Um, I'm one of three women who, under the name Girls Who Dare, rode from San Francisco to Hawaii this summer. It took us 60 days, 17 hours and six minutes, uh, which set a new world record for a female three. We will start with the big one. Why did you want to row across an ocean? I undertook to do the row, um, actually because someone asked me, would I row an ocean with them? And I didn't have a good enough reason to say no. But actually, uh, the truth is that I'd started to explore my human potential a little more. I'm 43 now, but at the age of 40, um, having trained pretty hard for uh, around 15 years prior to that and got myself into a state of relative high, high level of fitness, I participated in SAS Who Dares Wins on Channel 4 as one of the first ever females to do the show. And after I'd done that, yeah, I met someone who said to me, did I want to row an ocean with them? And I still had some fear around open water and being out of my depth. And I knew that this was the really the only way that I was going to hit that head on and be forced to deal with it once and for all. So I signed up and uh, the rest is history, as they say, a few twists and turns along the way, including having the the race postponed for a year due to the COVID pandemic and having to find a brand new crew to do the row with. But uh, we got there in the end, we raised all the finance uh, that we needed and got to the start line in uh, May 2021. My why, my reason for doing the row, um, aside from facing my own fears, was to try to inspire other people, especially young girls and women, to do more with their lives and to dare to kind of step into their fears. I'm not a lifelong athlete or adventure seeker in any way, but I've learned a little bit later on in life than most people, I suppose, that having a general state of physical preparedness is a, is a wonderful thing. And just saying yes to opportunities that present themselves is a addictive um, process and an extremely rewarding thing in life. Tell us the top three highlights of your crossing. Um, I think my top three highlights, well, one would have to be the finish. <laughs> um, but rowing into Waikiki Yacht Club after 60 days confined to that 24 foot boat we had endured some pretty awful weather uh, along the way in fact we only really took off our foulies on the last day not what we'd anticipated at all but we had the most unbelievable welcome into Hawaii we had boats coming out to greet us Hawaii 5 rowing boats coming out we had guys on surfboards surrounding our boat um, and everyone in the marina all the boats hooting their horns cheering us through we were all absolutely choked up with emotion and it was the most unbelievable way to finish the row I guess other highlights for me um, personally would be um, getting over my seasickness. So um, I endured 20 days of pretty much not being able to keep a single meal down. I lost 15 kilos in total over the whole course of the race, but I'm pretty sure that at some point I had lost more than that because after the 20 days when I was finally able to eat again, I'm fairly certain I would have put a little bit more weight on. But yeah, I lost 20% of my body weight and uh, was was extremely 
seasick. So the days that I finally managed to start getting over that and start to eat again normally were were huge highlights for me. Big changing point in the race. And I think perhaps the third highlight for me would be having a visit in the middle of the night from a yacht that had tracked us down, um, had about 13 people on board um, from different parts of the world. They were doing a, a kind of adventure experience across the Pacific, heading into Hawaii, and they came to find us at about 2 a.m. one night, obviously pitch black. They came up on their deck and started using pots and pans to to kind of cheer us on and make loads of noise for us. Um, they radioed into us. We had a great chat. They even offered to get us some cupcakes that they'd baked earlier that day, but we weren't obviously allowed to, re- to receive those or to accept that offer because of the race rules. So that was pretty devastating given how hungry we were at that stage. But it was just amazing to see other human beings in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the night. And just incredible that there were a group of people who were so... I guess, inspired by what we were doing, that they wanted to hunt us down and see us in real life. So we were super grateful for that. It was a massive morale boost. What was the hardest part physically and what was the hardest part mentally? The hardest part for me physically was probably when we altered our shift pattern. When we really started to chase down the world record, we set off with much bravado thinking that we could smash the record and complete the row in about 45 days. And it became apparent that was not the case. And at one point, our GPS system told us that we might arrive sometime around Christmas. Um, Thankfully, that situation did change. And we realized that we were in with a chance. And once we knew that that was the case, uh, we changed our shift pattern from three hours on, three hours off to four hours on, two hours off, which ultimately meant, meant you you got about an hour's sleep at a time, if that. It was incredibly tough on our bodies and obviously towards the end of the race. So yeah, that was, that was pretty tough. Mentally, gosh, I don't know. Um, I mean, just 60 days of doing anything unrelentingly is pretty tough mentally. I mean, I think... Also, just having to get back into wet clothing at the start of a shift or even getting to the end of a four hour shift, remaining fairly dry and then inevitably getting that huge wave crash over you in the last five minutes of your shift before you went back in the cabin. That kind of brought me (laughs) close to tears on a few occasions. So, yeah, that was that was pretty mentally testing. Excluding people and pets, which three things did you miss most while you were at sea? Having a toilet with a door, having choices, like being able to choose what I would want to eat at a given time, being able to just get up and go for a walk when I wanted to, I guess being able to phone anyone that I wanted to communicate with the people that I love um, out of choice rather than what, you know, when I was able to, or when we had satellite phone coverage. Yeah. The experience kind of taught me to appreciate all the choices that we have in life and not to take them for granted. I guess the other thing that would be to just be able to <laughs> turn on a tap um, for drinking water. Some of the most basic things that that we do take for granted in our lives that we were deprived of during our whole crossing. And it gave me a huge sense of appreciation for the smaller things in life. How much training did you do before the row? 
Um, in terms of training, physical training, I think we were pretty well prepared. We felt strong. Our bodies were quite robust. We'd done a lot of time on the ergs, but more than that in the gym, just making sure that our chassis and our trunks were super strong. Our calls were going to be able to withstand the, um, the arduous nature of the, of the row. I think the thing that we weren't able to do enough of was training, you know, getting training hours in on the boat itself. Um, combination of just, you know, the weather dictated when or when you could take the boat out in the months preceding the race uh, here in the UK and and also just lockdown. COVID was a, a huge barrier for us, not least because we were actually all in different countries anyway um, and had to pretty much do everything through Zoom. But on the few occasions that we might have been able to get together and spend time in the boat, then, uh, you know, COVID and lockdown basically prevented that. So, yeah, we had some major hurdles. <laughs> Did you suffer with any injuries, sores, nasties or sickness? In terms of injuries, um, nothing. I didn't really experience anything too bad. My hands were in probably the worst state. Really sore. The joints really ached. Uh, I, you know, I was unable to kind of grip hold of the oars for at least 20 strokes when I'd come back on to shift. You know, lots of um, sores and cracks, skin falling off. Um, so that was pretty unpleasant. But aside from that, aside from the, the seasickness that I had that, uh, as I said, lasted for 20 days, I wasn't too bad. I think, the, you know, skin started to break down towards the end of the row, but really only in the last week or so, started to get little infections and uh, and really bad sores on my bum. But before that, I was in fairly good nick. So yeah, just the sickness and just my hands really, which in fact haven't fully even recovered yet. So um, a couple of my fingers, I find very difficult to close fully just because the joints, I think have, I don't know, become perhaps arthritic. But if that's the, the worst war wound that I have from the row, I'm not not too disappointed about that. Can you pick three songs which remind you of your row? I listen to a lot of Dermot Kennedy. Love his his albums. We listen to that quite a lot. And also the soundtrack from A Star Is Born. Yeah, I kind of played that over and over. That has a lot of meaning for me and, uh, um, and my boyfriend. So that reminded me a lot of him. And then I think in terms of an individual song, probably Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Uh, sang that on a on a loop quite a lot. So good tracks to sing along to, to belt out into the middle of the ocean where no one could hear how awful I am at singing. <laughs> Did you suffer with any post-adventure blues? I don't think I really suffered from post-adventure blues as such, but um, I definitely benefited from a decision that I took before I went that I would leave myself a blank canvas um, for coming back to decide what I wanted to do work-wise, life-wise. And I think that was a really good call. I definitely wouldn't have wanted to kind of slide straight back into what I was doing before the row. I think I've done sort of similar life-enhancing experiences before, and I know from experience that things change and you know you have a slightly different perspective on the world when you come back home and and it takes time to readjust and I think you can experience quite a lot of uh, apathy maybe um towards things that don't set your life on fire anymore the mundane um becomes super mundane and I think I needed to have a time of, of readjustment of just kind of I guess not really doing anything very much not having any plans as 
as such or responsibilities when I got back so that I could kind of make a call as to what felt right for me going forward. And I'm kind of only really now starting to put those plans into place. So I'm also trying really hard to resist the temptation to get into an ending, unending cycle of uh, new adventures, because of course, the number one question that people ask you is what are you doing next? So I was trying to resist that for a while, but I'm afraid I do now have something next up my sleeve. (laughs) What advice do you have for future ocean rowers? My advice for future ocean rowers would be, I mean, people said this to me, I don't know whether I really believe them or not, but the hardest bit is getting to the start line. There are so many twists and turns and unexpected things that happen and people who pull out and huge barriers. I mean, it kind of became ironic that we, um, in the end, felt like if it hadn't been for a global pandemic, the whole thing would have been fairly straightforward. But I don't know if that's even true either. I think just be prepared that it is not going to be a smooth ride, uh, even to get to the start line. Um, there's a huge amount of finance to raise, um, even just to cover your costs of doing the row and then trying to kind of keep a crew together and coordinate everybody's diaries and uh, find your boat and um, you know keep all your sponsors happy and all the physical training that's required, all the course that you have to do. So make a massive plan. Be really pragmatic about how you're going to go about things. Do as many things as early as you possibly can. Don't leave it all to the last minute for sure. And yeah, just use those those hurdles, I guess, that are never to be going to pop up as a way to adapt and become even more versatile, I suppose, and adaptable and yeah, more and more, I guess, determined and strong in your resolve to complete what you set out to do. It is the most rewarding thing to kind of go full circle on that, to start the campaign without a penny in the bank and just as a dream and then to complete it. So it's absolutely worth it. But at no point is it an easy ride. And finally, would you do it again? I don't think so, no. Um, (laughs) I wasn't a rower when I came into this and So it wasn't a sort of lifelong ambition of any kind. I was just asked at the right time in the right place. And I just said yes. And then everything else unfolded from there. So I feel like I've put a massive tick in that box. And I guess I don't really have a reason bigger than that to do another one. I'm keen to kind of move on to use that experience as a platform um, for other things for sure. But no, I kind of think I want to keep it as a as a one-off experience and yeah, just leave it right there. Huge thank you to Vicky for sharing her story and all of her advice. Go and Google Vicky, look at her website and check out her Instagram for lots of fitness inspiration. I have major upper arm envy, so I really should get out of my bed office and go and lift something heavy. If you're an ocean rower and would like to share your story, get in touch, theoceanrowingclub at gmail.com or via Instagram at theoceanrowingclub. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to rate and review and give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, please. Like and share and recommend it to all of your friends. And don't forget to join us again next week when we take our first trip across the slightly chilly and hurricane-prone North Atlantic. Toodle pip!